This is an RNZ podcast. If you have any regrets, you've just been um, part of a political movement which has been peddling misinformation during the election campaign. Do you have any regrets? No, I think we were asking some hard questions about the direction of COVID-19. If you're asking about regrets throughout the whole three-year term, of course, we could have all done things a lot differently and a lot better. That was the leader of the Advance NZ party, Jamie Lee Ross, in a four-minute chat with News Hub political editor Tova O'Brien on Three's weekend politics show News Hub Nation the morning after the election. And that ended up going viral online because big names in the media overseas really enjoyed her confrontational and at times dismissive approach to a politician accused of capitalising on COVID-19 uncertainty. And when Tova O'Brien sensed that Jamie Lee Ross was winding up to air a little more COVID disinformation, she shut him down hard like this. You know exactly what you were doing. You were whipping up fear and hysteria among vulnerable communities. Not at all. If you go and look at the mortality rate of COVID-19 compared to other um, flu epidemics... I'm going to stop. No, I'm not, I don't, so, don't so, want so, to so, hear any well, of, I don't want to hear any of that rubbish. You what are you, what are, that and not allow me to answer. Well, so. if, you're going to come on, if you're going to come on the show and say things which are just factually incorrect, I can do that, actually. Tova O'Brien also accused Jamie Lee Ross of political opportunism for the way he hooked up with COVID conspiracist-turned-politician Belita Kahika Jr., who, like Jamie Lee Ross, also ended up electorally unsuccessful on the night. Why on earth did you get into bed with Belita Kahika? I could see that there was a lot of growth on social media. There was a lot of growth in the t- number of people coming so along and looking at it. purely political ambition. No, you I could sold see, your soul I could, for political I could, ambition. I could see that there was uh, people out there who were asking questions around things that I believe in too, around freedom and sovereignty uh, for New Zealand. And a but pandemic. No, that is nothing. I've never said that, Tova. You haven't, but he that. has. And that was revealing, Jamie Lee Ross admitting that he was drawn to the Facebook following Billy Takahika had built up and fed a steady diet of misinformation to in posts and live videos. And during the campaign, Billy Takahika Jr. was also given a grilling about that on News Hub Nation. And let's see whether you are actually misleading people. Advanced New Zealand put out a video implying the government was going to force Kiwis to get vaccinated. And that's not entirely true, is it? No, our concerns is is that the COVID-19 health response bill has given the government far-reaching and broad powers to do whatever it likes, and that's the concern. Uh, The the video that we posted, uh, uh, in the words of the minister herself, and uh, they can't be argued with. But you edited those words out of context. The the bill that you're worried about is a framework for responding to COVID-19. It doesn't specify vaccination. Your video says New Zealanders are going to be forced to be vaccinated. Now, some critics complained that News Hub there had given him a platform and more than 12 minutes of the oxygen of publicity in the run-up to the election. But just two days from the end of polling, Facebook itself removed Advance NZ's page for repeated violations of its policy on misinformation. Billy Tikahika Jr. said he was horrified beyond belief at being deplatformed like that, while others asked what took Facebook so long to enforce its own long-standing terms and conditions. And on TVNZ's election night coverage last weekend, host John Campbell and Hilary Barry and their guest pundits made fun of that and his failure to turn Facebook followers into votes. Well, a nationwide Advance NZ got 19,579 votes. They would have got more, but 5G interfered with them. <laughs> I know. But they, and the tin but how, much, how much did we in the media talk about them? How much I'm sorry, media did I, we give them? Oh, I know, a cover. We I didn't know. cover them once. But look, they can commiserate <laughs> on their Facebook page. Oh, no, they can't. <laughs> um,
Have you been drinking everything? No. Can I have some? Not to be too smug about it, but they are cynical, opportunistic narcissists, and this is absolutely what they deserve. However, Advance NZ secured more than 20,000 votes in the end, and they'll get some more when the special votes are tallied. Quite an achievement for a new political party. The ACT Party in 2017 got just over 13,000 party votes, and that was its eighth election campaign. Now it's got 10 MPs out of 120 in the House. So a lot can change in three years. Now, three years ago, worries about the political impact of online misinformation were only beginning to emerge here as people tried to make sense of the role that it played in the UK's Brexit vote and the 2016 US election won by Donald Trump. In subsequent elections in France and in Australia and elsewhere, it became clear that fake stuff and degrees of misinformation on social media was becoming part of the campaign strategy even for established political parties. And at the start of this election year, Labour Party leader Jacinda Ardern cited all this when she pledged and pleaded for a clean campaign in 2020. But political parties here including her own, had to be prompted into signing up for the Facebook transparency tool, which reveals just how much parties spend on specific online ads, as well as how often and which online users they're targeting with those ads. In the end, Labour, the Greens and ACT signed up before Facebook made it compulsory in mid-June. So, did all that then keep the scourge of fake news and misinformation at bay in this election campaign? Well, during the 2017 campaign, the Advertising Standards Authority received only 16 complaints about advertising with false content. But 10 days to go before the end of the 2020 election, newsroom.co.nz reported it had already received 80, and even some of those online ads were circulating after they'd been deemed misleading by the regulator, including advance NZ ads making the claim about COVID death rates that Tova O'Brien had refused to allow Jamie Lee Ross to repeat in that morning after interview last Sunday. So, now that it's all over, is all this really significant? Victoria University of Wellington professor Jack Vowles told a university podcast early in the election campaign social media messages from political parties were definitely reaching more potential voters. We also have data from the 2011 through to the 2017 elections, and that shows us that people receiving social media messages from political parties were about 3% in 2011 when we first start asking the question, up to 6% in 2014, and nearly 12% in 2017. So a, 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 a gradual increase in the uptake of social media and its reception by ordinary voters during an election campaign. And there's another thing which means we ought to pay attention to this, Professor Vowles reckoned. We're paying for the stuff. It's a problem that social media can be misused in the ways we've been discussing. But it is quite an effective means of political communication and it's particularly handy for political parties, so much so that we've seen political parties transfer a lot of the resources they have available to campaign from television, which is declining in importance now, uh, to social media and they're actually able to use the funds made available for broadcasting to use on social media instead. Well, since then, Victoria University of Wellington's political science department has coded and analysed thousands of Facebook posts placed by political parties and their leaders up until the polls closed last weekend. I asked the New Zealand social media study coordinator, Dr Mona Cruel, if they picked up a significant surge in false and negative stuff coming from our political players and if this had an impact. 
Um, the other thing uh, that we saw is that the amount of fake news and half-truth was actually pretty low. Um, so we did not see any... Uh, see them repeating the presidential election in 2016 uh, in the U.S., uh, so we don't have to fear about that uh, in New Zealand. Most of the parties did not post any fake news at all. We saw some half-truths, so which is not completely made-up content, but there is still some dodgy information. Yeah, for uh, for in example, that. there were a couple of uh, um, very simple graphic images which use bar charts yes. for, say, housing prices, the cost of yeah. houses, and when you look at them, clearly they're not statistically accurate for the percentage exactly. figures. Exactly. Yeah. This is exactly what we've coded as half-truth, mm-hmm. uh, when you see, like, there was something about the economy, for example, New Zealanders trust in the economy, um, and there was a little lead for National on that, uh, who would uh, better be better at leading the economy, uh, economic recovery, and so it was 43% over 39 but the bar chart was half of uh, the one um, uh, of uh, National for Labour, and this is kind of misleading. It's not a fully made up story, but there is still something wrong about that. Sure. And actual false claims, you said there weren't too many, but you're looking at political party sources. Uh, Do we know if there was more than three years ago or even the election before that? Mm -hmm. So um, I actually cannot say if uh, there was really an upswing uh, in false claims um, What we, because we haven't done this study in 2017, so it's a first for New Zealand. Um, but on the other hand, we know that the um, Advertising Standard Authority has received a lot more claims um, about that than it has in 2017. Um, so there is a chance that this is actually increasing. Okay, so in future elections, we might now have a kind of benchmark and we can yes, start looking exactly. at this. Well, as we heard earlier, you know, in the election night, uh, a lot of focus. People actually saying maybe we worry too much about Advance NZ, uh, Billy Takahika Jr. and his his followers and their online misinformation. Turned out they didn't, you know, end up affecting the outcome of the election at all. But they do have support. But were they? by some distance, the worst offenders in terms of this uh, fake news and half-truths that you spoke about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the media was actually right. Um, So they have observed that correctly. It shows, uh, we we see that quantitatively as well. So they were the worst offenders. Um, So for advanced New Zealand's, we had half-truths coded around 31% of their campaign communication. Uh, Fake news, 6%. Billy TK was lower, but that is not surprising because um, the parties, uh, so very often the leaders of the parties let the parties take the blame for that because it's a collective actor. You cannot that easily point the finger on someone in the party if the party is posting it and not the leader. So the other party that was doing that a lot uh, was actually the New Conservatives. There we have half-truth around 16% uh, and fake news uh, 3.7%. But I think actually that... Facebook investigated Advanced New Zealand was right uh, because a lot of, lots of our data shows that most of their misinformation was around COVID-19. And if this becomes widespread, that would actually be life-threatening. Um, so they picked them up uh, for the right reason. Um, but we should also not forget um, Judith Collins has had one little incident on fake news as well. She had um, that kind of selectively edited snippet from the, um, the TV debate uh, where Jacinda Ardern made a comment about farmers and it was edited in a way um, that it made Jacinda say something that she actually hadn't said. So this is something that we also coded at, as fake news, but it was a single Was that uh, her incident. or the party? That was her, actually. That was her, her site, uh, okay. her um, Facebook page. Yeah, yeah there was a comment about farmers being a, from a world of the past when she was yes. talking about the attitude towards farmers, the public exactly. attitude of hostility, she thinks was something. Yeah, yeah that's right. This is where the media comes in, right? We've seen fact-checking uh, initiatives, uh, for example, Stuff 
the whole truth. Uh, they put uh, senior journalists on that. They pick an issue, look at a claim that had been made that was newsworthy and decide whether they thought it was justified or not. Um, the Australian news agency, AAP, for example, uh, was doing fact checks, which were then picked up by um, New Zealand media and websites where they would do a fairly thorough look at one particular issue and a claim made and decide whether they thought it was fair or not. Do you think, from what you've been able to analyse, that this is actually effective, and if the media picks it out, there'll be a big enough audience that if half-truths are taking off on social media, there's a fair chance that members of the public will find out that actually what they were being fed was not uh, not particularly accurate? So I think it's, it's very welcome if the media does that. It means they're actually fulfilling uh, their role as a watchdog. And I also believe that in a political system such as New Zealand, uh, you can still be very effective with that. Um, first of all, because New Zealand is a small country, so media and politics are um, very close to each other. And um, if politicians, they will get wind of that, that they are uh, fact-checked by the media very soon. And they uh, might fear um, a reputational damage, um, so they won't do it. Um, and so there is a chance uh, that this has an effect M more on the major parties than it actually has on the minor parties. A party like Advanced New Zealand, um, they might not care about that. Uh, they might each even turn that uh, around strategically and say, like, um, these are the media elites. They are fighting us. We are the only ones who are still telling the truth and dare to say something and dare to speak up. Uh, in contrast to the others. Uh, and so they would kind of turn this attack against uh, them as an evidence um, of their uh, campaign um, against the elites. Yeah, um, so if the people have low trust in media and in politicians mm -hmm. and politics, as some surveys show, then for them this actually enhances their credibility. Yes. I mean, this is all about elections, mm -hmm. right? And we will have this database. We can refer to it in future years and have some sort of sense of whether things are becoming more or less accurate and parties are sticking to the truth or not, and that's great. But this isn't really all about elections, right? If we're talking about the likes of Advanced New Zealand, Billy Kaika Jr., they're looking possibly past the election, kind of building a brand or something similar to that um, and maybe harvesting the loyalties of people that have this low trust. Um, is this kind of sentiment, is this something we need to do not just when there's an election time on? It would be good to do it all the time, but I can tell you how much work it is. Um, so our coders had to fact-check basically every number that the parties uh, put out. So it costs you a lot of money to follow up with that. Uh, how many people constantly. did you have doing it? We had five undergrad uh, coders. Um, so this were five political science students who did that, and they were really working hard. I owe them pizza and beer okay. next week, <laughs> besides the, the money that they got for the coding. Um, and they have heard it on the radio now, so <laughs> they will hold me accountable for that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so I think it we'll be, we'll be fact-checking that promise later on. Right? <laughs> Do that. <laughs> Check in with my coders. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but um, it would be um, very good if uh, the parties could be monitored the entire time. Um, I think what uh, governments need to push for is that also unpaid posts um, are monitored, and not only paid posts who count as advertising. Um, they have to understand that social media is very fast. Um, faster that they can react, the regulatory authorities. Um, and and all, all those things like the Facebook transparency tool that they yep. made mandatory for the parties and even the fact of Facebook taking down Advance NZ's mm -hmm. paid very late in the campaign, but it, uh, I yep. guess deciding to do it. So show, showing some sort of, um, well, editorial spine or muscle or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, I mean, for 
other actors, party supporters, there's, this is not captured by that at all, is it? No, all the unpaid posts um, are not captured by that. Um, there the advertising authority uh, can't do anything about that. Um, so the reason actually why New Advance New Zealand was taken down was uh, two anti-vaccination ads. Uh, so these were commercial ads, and that's why they could do something about that. But if unpaid posts would fall under the same strict regulations, uh, they would have been shut down a lot earlier. Um, they would have pulled the plug on them much earlier because we saw so much misinformation around COVID uh, in their unpaid posts as well. Yeah, because yeah, this is where we get into that area of what's freedom of expression and mm -hmm. expecting social media yeah. companies to enforce this their is own definitely, terms and conditions. That is, that is hard. Um, we also probably have underestimated the amount of fake news and half-truth uh, because we did not want to accuse political actors just for having different political opinions. Um, and we just picked up what was very obvious and very explicit. Um, so the amount might be higher, but we took a very conservative approach of that to exactly not um, interfere with freedom of expression and having different political opinions because this is part of the political discourse. Well, last question. Uh, the regulator that you mentioned there, the Advertising Standards Authority, um, so more complaints this time than last time, and we'll wait to get the full numbers and the full election study will reveal a bigger picture, but uh, in terms of what was uh, out there on social media. But do you think, just from what you've observed so far, that we need to change uh, the way they operate because there have been cases of inaccurate claims being made in political advertising on social media uh, which um, have not been removed. Um, I think overall the study shows that the regulations uh, around campaigning in New Zealand are working. Otherwise, we would see much higher numbers of that. Um, so most parties uh, do not post any fake news and half-truth is below 10% for most parties. So that actually shows um, that in this regulated campaign environment that we have in New Zealand, where you have more opportunities uh, to complain about parties uh, that you have in many other countries, um, it is actually working. So otherwise, we would see different numbers. The only two things um, I feel think we could improve on is first the unpaid posts that I mentioned before uh, that should um, be regulated more as well. And the second thing is be faster um, because if these things are out for once, people have seen them and not everyone uh, will later read somewhere that this was fake news. Um, and so um, you have what regulatory authorities have to understand these days is that the Internet is super fast. Uh, and social media is super fast. And once something is out, it's out. And so you have to take it down basically immediately. Um, and this needs a lot of uh, manpower behind that um, to kind of constantly monitor uh, these posts um, and maybe take them down. Dr Mona Cruel from Victoria University of Wellington's Political Science Department, who's been researching the role the media play in election campaigns and the effect of social media on voters in electoral contests.